A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. This podcast is a conversation with Sophie from Sophie Lee Photography. Now, I have been following Sophie for years online and I reached out to her to see if she would be interested in coming on to the podcast for a bit of a chat because I feel and I definitely, I think I was right here, I felt so, I guess, I felt an impulse to reach out to her because I love the content that she creates. She's incredibly creative. Her photographic work is so memorable. And I think that speaks volumes because Instagram is obviously filled with imagery. But whenever I see Sophie's photos, her work, I know, I know that it's her work without even having to read the name because she has such an eye for detail. And not only is she wonderfully creative, she's also built a really great personal brand around her craft, which I don't think is necessarily a super easy thing to do when it comes to being a sole trader. And I know so many people out there listening are operating businesses on their own or they're wanting to start a business that comes from their passion. And Sophie has done that. She really does photograph from a place of love, which I know might sound a bit corny, but if you have a look at her photos, you'll totally get it. And she has so much to offer, of course, including her beautiful work, but her work ethic and her authenticity and her vulnerability in sharing what it takes to actually build a successful brand, have a successful business, kick goals and have a young family as well. Because not only is she an incredibly talented photographer, she has three young children. And we touch on this at the start of the episode, but Sophie and I met, we connected years ago when her middle child was just a little bub. She's now five. And Sophie reached out to have some help with her little one's sleep. And we just kind of clicked and we've followed each other online since. And she has grown her Instagram community to over 17,000 followers. She's super booked out, although at the end she does share that she's going to open up a little bit of space, which is exciting because she's opening a new studio, again, kicking goals. She shares so much 
And something that she shared in February has stuck with me to the point that this morning when I was preparing questions for Sophie, I sent her a message and I said, oh, Soph, where is that Instagram post that you put up about da, da, da? And she sent it to me and it was all the way back at the start of the year, but her words have stuck with me. And so at the end of our chat, I asked her to read this post. So I urge you to definitely stay tuned right until the end because both Sophie and I get a bit emotional about this. And if you have a dream of starting a business or you do have a business or just, I think any woman will relate to this. So anyway, I've rambled enough about her. I'm obviously a huge fan of her. We cover a lot in this conversation, including the reality of having three young children and having to leave a somewhat busy household and activate work mode, building a personal brand, being in an industry where sometimes people are likely to, I guess, impersonate other people's work. We talk about a lot. So get comfortable, make yourself a tea or get ready to go on a nice big walk or perhaps you're out and about driving, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope that you really enjoy this conversation. If it's safe to do so, please take a screenshot of where you are, what you're up to, pop it on your Instagram story and tag me at Kylie Camps. You can also tag Sophie as well. She is at Sophie Lee Photography. And here we go. I hope you enjoy this episode. Sophie, thank you so much for taking some time out of your, no doubt, busy day to have this chat with me this morning. You are so welcome. I'm very, very happy to be chatting with you today, Kylie. Awesome. Now, I would love, before we dive into the questions, just to take a minute to reminisce on how we first connected because (laughs) we've been interacting on social media for years now, but I can still super, super clearly remember the first time I ever spoke to you. Yeah, so can I. <laughs> that that was etched in my mind. I remember um, just thinking to myself, this needs to be outsourced. I need to outsource <laughs> this sleep thing. <laughs> so how how long ago was that? Because Lottie is now, how old is she? Well, she she's five now, so it would probably be, um, yeah, just close to five years uh, just a little under five years ago that we, I first reached out to you. So Sophie and I first connected because Sophie got in touch in regards to her little girl's sleep and we worked together and then we just always stayed in touch. And it's that's one of the things that I love about social media is that you can follow people and really sort of, you know, it's so nice seeing your family grow up and change and evolve. It is. And our boys being pretty much the same age, aren't they? Um, they sure Foxy's seven and the boys are a similar age and it's always nice to keep in touch and follow along with what you guys are up to because I always draw so many parallels um, with that as well. I love that. Now, you have built a super successful business and a brand and you've managed to do it with a really young family which I know is no easy feat it's never an accident um, and I'm always interested to know more about people's upbringing as to why they have some of the inclinations that they do so I would love to go back to you as a little one what were you like as a child did you have that sort of entrepreneurial streak 
Um, I was certainly creative. I was the third child, so the one that looks after themselves, I think. Um, I I'm much more, much more aware of how my life would have looked as a third child now that I have a third child. I know my mum's, like all my photos, I was just that little bit more grubby and that little bit more like scruffy and I see that so much in my little Maggie and my creativeness, I guess, I just was always, as a youngster, I was sort of always making, creating in the dirt with animals. Um, so creativity has always been there. Uh, as I grew a little more, I was very much into performing and doing the old everybody sit down on the lounge and I'm going to make my entrance and do my little performances. And I have really fond memories of doing that, particularly at my grandparents' house because they had these amazing sliding doors which always created a really dramatic entrance <laughs> when you were coming in for your number. And, um, and do you yeah. find it so, sorry, I just have to interrupt. Do you find it so meta now, like watching your kids? Oh, because I've oh seen your gosh. kids on stories and there's actually a clip that you posted of Lottie. It would have been years ago, but I still like go back to watch it because it's so funny. She has so much personality. But now do you find it so, I guess, like an out-of-body experience seeing your kids do the same thing? It really is. And and it really, really is. And especially with my um my parents around to say, Sophie, oh my gosh, that's you. And just that real, okay, I always heard these little tidbits, these little stories about when I was her age. And then to see that come to light. I mean, I always say she's got to be more extra than I was. <laughs> I think, oh no, surely like I wasn't that extra. But um, yeah, possibly, possibly I was. So my creativity was more sort of in performing, I guess, when I was young. Um, and uh, I was quite perceptive, I think, as a young child and I always remember watching my dad just work really hard and I always thought that was a really positive thing and I think when um, you're young maybe your uh, wish to spend more time um, might override that but for whatever reason I was always really observant of that and I loved watching my dad interact with other people and the way that he did that and he had such a flair for that and still does, um, I think that is probably sort of where relationship building um, within business comes from as well. But, yeah, definitely creative as a child and just, yeah, loved sitting back and watching my dad interact. That was something I always loved. And did you have an interest in photography at a young age or was that something that you found a little later? Uh, I found that later um, it was changing of schools where I became interested and fell in love with photography. So um, my first high school that I, I went from seven to ten was had, um, you know, performing arts and that's what I did. I loved, um, you know, I loved dancing and I I liked singing. I'm still terrible at it, but I think, yeah, as a young young person, it's not. It's all in the details, you know. Just singing and dancing together, I really loved. And then uh, I changed schools. My parents put me in a different school for senior years, and I kind of went a little bit kicking and screaming to that because of change and just being at that time of your life, I guess, where friendships are so important. And I went along and. And just another nail in the coffin was, well, they didn't have dancing there as a subject. And I thought, oh, here we go. 
what's the next best thing? And I found photography and it was, yeah, a massive, massive blessing in disguise. I had an incredible teacher. She was young. She was just very, very cool. And we were, I mean, this is, you know, we were doing film then. So the dark room was a massive escape for me. And especially when I first started at that school, because a lot of the girls, it was a boys school that was then accommodated girls in, in senior. And a lot of the girls came in big groups from private schools, but I came from a public school and I was the only person that came from that school. So that the dark so hard to make that change and then to also feel so other from everyone yeah yeah not have your hobby of dancing there to lean on exactly so that would have been something I would have just dived into and been fairly good at and felt that acceptance that way I guess but it wasn't there and the dark room there was something about just going in there being in the dark on my own it's so solitary and and I I really loved it and I also had an amazing maths teacher because maths was always such a struggle for me and he knew that and he used to write me a little note when he saw that I was getting a bit over maths and go, just go to the dark room, go to the dark room. Mm-hmm. And nice. I, yeah, so nice. And I would just go down there and my teacher would wink at me and it didn't matter whether it was year sevens in there or year twelves in there, she would always make sure I had my own little um, pocket in the dark room just to be. And I adored it. I just fell in love with it. And I think learning on film something so romantic about film and producing film and that's where my love for it really began and she really fostered that as well. It's so nice to hear like the reflection in your voice of you know what that was a really really hard time but it all led you to where you're meant to be obviously Uh, it was meant to happen. A hundred percent and sometimes that's hard to digest at the time but Definitely Particularly when back. you're a teenager. Oh, everything's just against you when you're a teenager. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so from there, once you fell in love with film and photography and that escape, how did your interest then evolve throughout the rest of your education and then onwards? Yeah, during school it was hard because it was a subject that didn't actually count towards your grade at the end of year 12, which is incredibly unfortunate. And if I had have received better advice, I could have actually done art and done my major work in photography and have it count. Um, But that was not that advice wasn't clear to me. So I was doing a subject that didn't matter in the end in a way. Um, So when I sort of met with uh, teachers, you know, what what was then, I guess, a career advisor, uh, I said, okay, so, you know, I really, really love this subject. I love photography and I I think I want to do that. And it was just met with blank looks like, okay. (laughs) Choose a real job. I don't know what to say to you. Yeah, because... um, I always thought that I would go along the journalism line and I guess that was a bit of a a point for me of going, okay, well, if this isn't going to work, maybe I'll go back to journalism because I always loved the idea of being on the news as a weather girl. There was just something about that that made me think, oh, it was almost a... I don't know what it was, but I just loved watching them and they were so beautifully presented and all of that. But then art just always was so much bigger for me. So Mm. when I was met with this, well, I don't know what advice to give you, I thought, well, then I don't know what to do. So maybe it's journalism, but um, I just didn't achieve a good enough mark to do it. So after school, it was a little bit all up in the air. I I did okay, um, but 
there was this limbo. And my best friend, who is still my best friend, who is also a creative, called me and I remember just being in my room and he called me, he's like, Sophie, you have to apply for this photography course. It's like, okay, sure, yeah. He's like, well, I'm going to do this course and you're going to apply for this course. And he was much more sort of in the design um, realm. So I jumped on and I saw this course and I thought, oh, okay, well, that's fine. And I, I just was young and I just didn't really think about it. And I think that's sometimes the beauty of having that confidence and being young. And I didn't think much about it and I just printed off these photos like of the Harbour Bridge as you do, like <laughs> Harbour Bridge at night, Harbour Bridge during the day. Like it was nothing at all impressive. And they were really small little photos and I popped them in a folder and I just went off to this um, to this application day. I didn't really know what to expect. And I walked in and there was this hallway of um, people that were a lot older than me, sort of probably my age now, to be honest, like mid-30s, looking for a career change. And they had these huge portfolios with these hand-printed paper images. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? And I just was thought to myself well, I'm here now I'll just just go in and um I had this interview and we barely looked at images we just talked and talked and talked and what for whatever reason a few days later I received um an offer to be one of the uh full-time attendants in this course and they only took 30 a year and I just thought to myself I don't know what I said but whatever it was like I'll take do it you, do <laughs> you think it. that do you think that you have the gift of the gab and the sparkle that your dad has I I do definitely feel that that has yeah been passed and if not a bit learnt from him um my dad always had this real he always he he owns a bit of background about he has owns a contract cleaning company so they have you know big contract cleaning um you know deals that they do so they used to do like airports and trains and like it's it's a big business but he still introduces himself as a toilet cleaner like he's so he's like so I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cleaner like that's what mm-hmm. I do and um he was always the person that's like you talk to the courier the same way that you speak to you know a business partner or you know and and it's just that that's the way no one is above the other so therefore there's never a reason to feel you can't speak to someone and that definitely helped I mean I was what I would have been 18 going in there and I just yep. talked and I just thought well you just were birth you came into this world the same way I did so there's no reason to be nervous I guess and that definitely served me well in that situation so from there I studied um studied full-time and then I just went straight into studios and I just worked and I worked full-time and so when you were working in studios excuse my ignorance but is that working with like a variety of different kind of clients? Is it a mixture of families and, you know, solo portraits and things like that? Or was it kind of skewed in one direction? Definitely specialised. So I worked in probably, I'm pretty sure that it was the first digital studio in Sydney. So we had just kind of, you know, um, digital photography was rolling out and they were 
creating a situation where there was sort of two studios in the one and it was in a shopping centre and it was you could come in and you could have your photos done and you could see them straight away and choose your photos and it was all very specific to families and babies, which is exactly what I wanted to do. So I always wanted, it was always people I wanted to capture, no doubt, Um, And I've always been very drawn to children and even um, when I was younger, always the one playing with the kids at the party and, you know, that I just was always drawn to kids and was was good with them. So um, for all the people that I studied with that wanted to be um, fashion photographers and art art photographers, I was like, I just really want to photograph kids and babies, which was seen as quite daggy back then. And um, no one was really doing that with that was very cool. It was all quite yeah, daggy, I guess. So I, I, I just knew there was a better way to do it. And so I I, I guess went. when I, I was just going to say, when I think of, you know, photography of kids 10 years ago, it kind of does pop into my mind like those pixie photos set up yeah, in the shopping centre type sure. thing. Whereas now when I think of photography for little ones, like your images come to mind and they're so stunning like they're just so beautiful it's a whole other playing field absolutely it is really 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 different so um I always had a vision of kind of what I want not just what I wanted to achieve in photography but what kind of experience I wanted to give clients so big picture I did always want to do something bigger but I knew I needed to learn a lot so working in studios um was a massive, massive learning curve because I was thrown into, I had this, you know, I've studied for a year but knew nothing because really pen to paper with photography just doesn't really work. Um, And also what you wanted to do with photography was so broad, you know, nothing was really that specific. I certainly wasn't taught how to deal with toddler tantrums or mums that feel uncomfortable or dads that don't want to be there. Like that was sort of what I learned in studios very, very fast. So when you're given a schedule, you get in there in 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 the morning and you're given a schedule of eight back to back photo shoots. Um, and you do that five days a week, you learn very quickly and you come across a lot of different personalities. And and I was young and I wasn't a mum. So I was, yeah, I was thrown in. And it was, so that was great because you just can't get that type of experience. Um, mm, that hands-on learning. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And so when you were doing that, Sophie, what did you struggle with the most in that environment? Yeah, I struggled. I, I had it. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of things that I struggled with. I struggled with um, having to create a certain type of style and not being able to deviate from that. Um, I think uh, the time restrictions were a big one for me because it never felt quite right to have a 20, 30 minute time slot for a family to come in and have all that done. Near and impossible. Th- and near impossible near impossible and and then to act and make sure they felt like that was all totally fine and normal and everything was fine (laughs) like I just oh again learning curve like you do become good at that I guess but it never felt very authentic for me Mm. um and then just having the you know the targets of like make sure you're getting this shot make sure you're getting that shot getting the money shot, getting the shots that sell, Um, it was, yeah, so it kind of, I found you're shooting a lot from your head rather than your heart and that 
yeah, that's often that was often a conflict for me. I'll bet. And so then when you did become a mum, did that sort of change your trajectory? Was that when you went, okay, I'm going to make this happen and work out on my own because of the benefits of being able to sort of, you know, blend the work life and the mum life? Or did you kind of have an inclination that you wanted to go out on your own first? Yeah, big picture, it was always I wanted to have my own thing. I didn't know how I wanted that to look. I didn't know whether it was going to be studio or or not, or I guess back then studio bricks and mortar mortar studios were really kind of the only way um, because we didn't have social media and, you know, all of that, you know, that reach that we get Mm -hmm. through social. So it was really you needed an address and you needed somewhere to come and or people drive past and see your studio. So I didn't know how it was going to look necessarily, but I always did want to do that on my own. And after I, um, so I was working in a studio when I fell pregnant and I guess my mum gave me really, really great advice and she just always said to me, no plans, no expectations, you I think what she was basically trying to say was you're going to change <laughs> and isn't that the truth? Um, yep. Just no expectations of what you think work will be for you or matter to you or maybe it will be more important or less important or not important or you don't know whether you're going to be want to be around your baby all the time or some of the time or just let it play out and then just see what happens. So I instead of just leaving work, I just, uh, I I had my maternity leave and I started working from home for them for a little bit. And then that pull of doing something that was meaningful was, I couldn't ignore it. I I knew I just, I don't want to work for anyone else anymore. I just want to, my time is so valuable and whatever time and energy I want to put into something, I want to reap every benefit and every reward. I don't want to share that anymore. And I got to a point where I felt like I just had so much more to give and so much more creativity within me. And after, yeah. I was just going to say, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think that so many of us, when we have our kids, like on paper, you would think with a newborn it would be the worst time to consider doing something new and out on your own. But so many of us do it. And I think that there's an element of when we become a parent, we realise how precious time is and we also Mm -hmm. realise, you know, that we have one life and that we're a role model and it's like, oh, okay, I have to play big now because I have these little, you know, this little person or little people looking up to me. And I feel like for me it was like a shift in, I guess, perspective. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, I'm actually going to follow through because I would want my child to follow through with what they want to do as well. Exactly. It's almost like the dress rehearsal's over, you got to put your big girl pants on now and you've got people relying on you and how are you going to spend that time and making sure all your time, not just with work but with them, with friends, with who you spend your time with, it changed everything every aspect for me and Mm. this was a really really big one because I'd now been in the industry for 10 years and I'd only well not only but I had worked for other people continuously through that time and that was enough for me I thought okay I'm done and I want to do what I actually really want to do and shoot the way that I really want to shoot and becoming a mum it gave me the courage I think and there's nothing like birthing a baby to feel like I can do anything now (laughs) and I can withstand struggle and pain and in such a physical way. And that gave me, I I just felt like 
I was finally standing in my own space and and I thought, yeah, I, this is the time for me to do it. And because I was technically, I guess, what most people would have seen on leave or on maternity leave, I also felt like no one was really looking hard at, oh, Sophie's going to start a business now. How's this all going to go? I just could kind of quietly chip away without anyone judging or having any expectations. Exactly right. So, and that is exactly what I did. I love that. And you have, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners will jump over to your Instagram account now and they'll be able to see that you have such a clear, authentic aesthetic to your images. Like I don't even have to read your account name to know that it's one of your photos. I'm like, yeah, that's a Sophie Lee photo. Your, like your overall, all, I guess your essence with the photography that you capture did that evolve over time like is that something that you've refined year after year or did you kind of have a vision of okay I really want to make sure that I'm the photographer capturing the natural moments and the little moments yeah so it definitely evolves and and style and and all of that for me is really fluid and changes regularly. Um, I find that it's really impacted by what's going on in my life. And um, when you talk about capturing the little moments, that was something that really came to the forefront for me after having Lotus. So I had two under two and it was a very, very chaotic time, hence reaching out for sleep advice and trying to find my way of being a mother to these two babies. And it was definitely one of the most challenging times of my life. And I have since realised that when I struggle, my coping mechanism is blocking out. So I just forget, but I forget all of it. So I, I forget massive chunks of things. So Just whenever wipe it from your memory. wiped, gone, yeah, hundred. <laughs> yeah. And I actually didn't realise this until until that. So I had this few months, particularly a, a few months, it's sort of, you know, and a little bit either side of that, of that time that it was just in the trenches struggle. Mm. Now I after a while, came out of that and I would look back at photos, as you do, you know, kids are sleeping, you miss them, you wonder, you know, you're looking back and you're looking at these photos. And I came across this time of Lottie and I just stopped and I went, I actually don't have a memory of her looking like that. Mm. Like I don't remember picking her up out of a cot and seeing that face. Because you were just on autopilot and just coping and going through the motions. Absolutely. So, and just the, her features, she's one of those kids that has changed quite a bit throughout as she's grown, whereas Fox kind of just still looks the same as his newborn photos, like very strong features. She's had these little transformations in there. And I just, there was this part that I thought, I don't actually remember holding you and looking down at you and seeing that face. And so this whole capturing details for me um, and putting the whole picture together. So not just trying to capture the shot, but trying to capture a collection of images within a moment because I find that they bring back so much more depth to that memory. And I guess I was like, I need to capture things better because 
imagine if I didn't remember it and imagine if I didn't have those photos and imagine if someone else experiences that and then these are the images they go back to. So this kind of real pull to go, don't just get mum holding baby, go in and get mum like twiddling with her hair, holding her feet, tickling her, doing, you know, hand on hand and nose to nose and more, more, more detail, more memory triggering stuff. You know, Mm. I was like this, I want this to be deeper. Um, And that's, yes, part of becoming a mother and part of my own experience of that. And then, yeah, and like I said, it, it keeps going. It's still fluid and there is no ending point, which is what I love about this work. And I was saying to you, well, actually I sent it to you in an email. I was saying something that I really am drawn to with your work. It's the little things because just as you said, those are the little moments that it's the everyday moment that you don't necessarily think to lock into your mind. And I've started just taking photos of things as well. You know, like when my little boy puts his monkey, which is called shark, in his school bag with a little baby chino cup and gets out of the car. It's like those little things that I don't want to forget. And Mm -hmm. I remember listening to Brene Brown say that amongst her research about, you know, loss and vulnerability and all those sorts of things and family and connection, one of the through lines is that when we lose someone from our life, it's not so much the big events that you miss you miss about them, but you miss the little things about their personalities, like the way that they close the screen door, yes. or the way they open the fridge and those sorts of things. And that's the feeling that I get from your photos. It's like, oh, you're going to remember that. You're going to remember how those little teeny tiny toes felt against your thigh because it's not just like you said, the standard pixie photo of the four of, you know, the whole family sat there mm-hmm. like they're having mm-hmm. school photos. It's mm. the details. So it I, is and it all I, is in that. And they are, they are the always the ones that make you feel something, you know, mm. as beautiful as a family photo of everyone standing, you know, lovely and everyone looks amazing. It's always when I come in close and capture the details of that interaction that everyone just kind of goes, oh, that is gorgeous. You know, that's what I love. And it's what I call the in-betweens and the things that are missed. Um, So that's, you know, something I try and really nurture on a session as well is that like, okay, the toddler will have a moment where they need to walk away, but then you're sitting there with the baby and, you know, all these beautiful things are happening in that moment too. So, yeah, just letting it kind of happen and unfold. And like you said, it's that really, really is the little things. And that's what I found. I thought, you know, when Maggie now has these little curls at the back of her neck, which I know are going to go, and I can't even tell you how filled my camera roll is of just these little curls <laughs> little on curls. the back. Because, yeah, and I think as your children grow and, and as, you know, with, with our boys being a similar age, it's you realise it more as they grow older. It's not in the moment. It's later. It's later yeah. on. Yeah. It really is. And so you mentioned earlier about when you were working in the studios that, you know, sometimes you would have families come in and perhaps dad didn't want to be there or mum wasn't feeling super comfortable. For our listeners, if they're about to head into a photo shoot soon, they're wanting to capture some family memories, what would be some tips or some advice that you would share with them to really come across as naturally as possible in their photos? Yeah, I think... um... Yeah, there's definitely things you can do to prepare and then there's, you know, some a point where the photographer kind of comes in on that. But uh, I always say to people, once you've 
organised everything. So, you know, you've got your clothes, you've got your location, we've got the time, everything's sort of set in stone. After that, things are going to come apart a little they're going to unravel a little because it's crazy when you're getting kids ready and you've got to be somewhere on time. Things are going to get forgotten. Someone's going to forget the hair bow. Dad's going to forget to bring his nice shoes or whatever is going to kind of happen The wheels after are going that. to come off. The wheels will come off. Everybody's going to have the little car tiff where it's like, I told you to pack that and why didn't you bring the hair product? Not that hair product. That makes it this and, blah, blah, blah. you know, um, it, there's going to be that and so generally in in that situation there's going to be an element of stress or or high you know high expectations and it's an investment so you know it's like I'm spending all this money I've organized this and then this has all happened but I always say to people come back to the why you're doing it in the first place because you if you always come back to your why then it won't matter so you know when you book your photos, asking yourself, okay, so I'm booking these photos and I've found my photographer. I'm doing this because I want to capture my children at this age. I want to capture their personalities. I want us to be existent in images and in our history of our family. So therefore, big picture, does it matter about the bow? Does it matter about the right shoe? Does it matter about those things? So then if you are in the car and you're on your way, it's a way to relax by going, okay, it's not them, doesn't matter. We get, we're going to be there, we're going to capture what we need to capture and that's kind of it because if you get caught up in the details, it becomes very stressful. Um, then once you're there, I think it's really important as a photographer to be the calming effect. You know how you talk about like catching emotions? If you're around someone that's really uptight, mm. then you start to feel really uptight. So I just make sure that when I'm arriving, I'm in the calmest state that I can possibly be in. And so hopefully those emotions are caught by the client and just sort of, you know, usually everyone's getting out of the car, oh, we forgot this. And I go, it's okay. It's okay, you know, and then just, you know, when I did this for my shoot, this happened or telling a funny story about someone else. You know, I had a client that come the other day, literally we're at the water and this little boy got out of the car walked down the sand and just walked completely straight into the water. We hadn't even <laughs> taken a photo yet. And the, the session was beautiful. Like, what are you going to, you just look at each other and go, what are you going to do? Like, that's exactly how it unfolded. Yeah. This is him and you're here to capture him. That's what he did. Like, yeah. there's no picture perfect. And the more you get hung up on that, the more, you know, you're going to miss what's really great about your children and your own family dynamic. Absolutely. And you spoke about being responsible for your energy, which I am so there with you. I'm such a big believer in that. But how do you, as the photographer, turn up feeling calm, feeling centered, when I'm sure at times you're running out the door, you've got three young kids, like how do you manage the mum life and the business life? Yeah, that's a constant um that's a constant juggle and struggle because every every age is different with the kids. And, you know, for instance, at the moment, Maggie is at that toddler age where she can be sometimes I can leave for work and she can be screaming at the door for me. Mm-hmm. And that's my last experience of of home and then crossing over into work. So it's not always that easy. Um, but for me, I just go to my go-to things that make me really calm. And sometimes it's just, okay, I actually need to come up a little. Maybe I'm just like, oh, I've had that day where I'm like, it's the world's against me. Maybe it's bringing myself up. So I, you know, listening to music or listening to a podcast or just calling a friend and just getting that perspective again. 
Um, or sometimes it's bringing myself down from stress or, you know, a day where I've been really hypo playing with the kids and I'm like, okay, I need to come back down to that like calm level head and um, similar thing, just maybe it's different music or maybe it's a quiet car ride. Maybe I'm completely silent. Um, and then the other thing that I do, <laughs> which I, I can't, I'm not, I don't have heaps of time for pen to paper at the moment. And I've, I've, it's not been something that I've put in my day, but what I do do is I kind of, I call it verbal journaling. <laughs> so I talk to myself in the car all the time. Love that. And one of my, one of my girlfriends records it. She's like, I never listen back to it, but it's just like, I have to record it to know that I'm that, doing That's it. a great idea. Well, yeah. I just talk and I talk, sometimes I talk to myself, I just talk out loud. Sometimes I talk to myself in third person, whatever kind of needs to be done. Um, sometimes I pretend I'm talking to the client at just whatever, I'm really verbal, so I like to, I, sometimes I just drive and I just talk and I find that really therapeutic and getting out whatever needs to be out and then I can arrive with a clean slate. I love that. That's so, so, such great advice. Now, speaking of advice, for any of our listeners who are aspiring to sort of work in the same space as you, what advice would you give them? Um, I think... Finding your style is very, very important. Um, there's so, obviously, there's a lot of photographers out there and I think finding your own feet with that and finding a style that, like you said, people can see your name or not even your name, can see your work and know it's yours, that is so powerful. And I would say that people have started to say that to me, which is, by the way, one of the biggest compliments you can give a photographer, so thank you, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is just get trying to get yourself to that point. And social media is hard because I can imagine now if you were starting out with social media, the comparison game would be strong. And I think you would find yourself looking and looking and looking at images and just all the time, you know, consuming all of this um all of these images and styles and and maybe the the comparison and the copying really really comes in because you think well she's doing well and she's doing this so I'm going to do that but the power is that no one can be you so finding a style that really resonates with you and comes naturally to you because this work shouldn't be hard you know like you said how do you arrive calm? Well, part of that is because I'm not thinking about what I'm doing once I pick up the camera. I'm not thinking, oh, and how did she do that again? And what was that angle she used again? Or what was that thing she did that I really want to replicate? Because I'm just doing what comes from me. And Mm -hmm. you can so get in your own way if you're trying to be someone else. Um, And doing yourself a disservice with that too, because you're going to miss out on what your own thing is that no one else can do so that's really important and then I think just courage I mean courage confidence I think courage is a better word because confidence isn't as easily digested by some people they think that may be cockiness or something different but courage is a good word because I think you can't have you can't have a business without courage. And well, I think I think confidence almost implies that you have that evidence already that you can achieve it, whereas courage is like 
taking the steps, even if yes. you don't have that evidence that you believe that you can do it. So uh, I love that. Challenge. Perfect explanation. It's really, really important to just put one foot in front of the other and find that courage. And if you don't have it, finding out why or where you can get it from um, because I think there's a lot of blocks um, for, for different things and different reasons. Like for me, you know, um, showing up on social media in person talking, there was a block there for me when I, before I started doing it and I had to really go, why am I finding this overwhelming? Why can't I just jump on and start talking? I've never had a problem with talking. You mean on Instagram stories? Yeah, on Instagram stories, yes. So um, finding out what that was and, and then asking yourself questions about, you know, why can't, why am I finding this so hard? Um, and instead of just going, okay, I'm not going to do it at all. Um, so yeah, I would say that I'd say finding your style, being as authentic within your style as you can and just practice. I mean, I, my DMs are just full, are full of like, you know, what lens is that? What camera is that? And I'm constantly just saying to people, just take heaps of photos, like just take lots and lots of photos. I'm not a great photographer because I'm a great photographer. I'm a great photographer because I've taken a lot of photos. Yeah. Well, the proof's in the pudding there. And you've mentioned social media. And one thing that I would love to finish our chat on today, Sophie, is a social media post of yours that stuck with me and hit me right in the heart and all the feels and you know which post I'm talking about and I wondered if you would be as kind to read it on the podcast yes yes I can yeah I for sure will um so let me just grab so this was back in February gosh all right, so it reads. Well, you know it's a good post when it's been like eight months and you can still write, like it's still clear in my mind. Yeah, that's it's really, really nice to hear actually. I've had and I did I did get a really big response from this one. So it reads, I have been congratulated for weight loss more times than I've been congratulated for my success. I've been complimented more times on my clothes, on my skin, on my earrings, more times than someone has said, wow, you're really doing well in this business. I've been asked more who is looking after my kids than I've been asked what my goals are or what's next for me or if I'm happy. I have some people in my life who I can talk to for over an hour and still never be asked about my business. And I've been standing right next to my husband who is almost immediately given the floor to express his success or failures in his business with open ears. A lot of people forget what I do. Whilst I don't necessarily believe that what you do defines you, I have just had a really interesting time noticing the difference between men and women in all of this. I'm not sure at what point this would change for me or if it ever really would, but of late I've been having conversations with other women in this industry and feeling like this is a bit more across the board than I realised. I see women walking away from great businesses, women too scared to start. I have women DM me telling me that they're waiting to find the courage and that their husbands are fully supportive as if it's an option to love someone and not fully support them. When did this become a mentionable thing? Imagine a man applying for a job and telling their employer, I just want to mention my wife is fully supportive of me applying for this job. But overall, I feel a mixture of not enough support, 
not being taken seriously enough and a big pinch of judgment that prevents women, in particular mothers, from really being seen in business. I don't know that I will be one to change much of this or any of this or why I'm being pulled to write this, but I guess it's just another side of being a woman, a mother, where we can feel relentlessly unseen. It's why this community on this app helps me feel heard. Most are female. I'm just going to continue in comments. <laughs> it was a long one. I um, obviously had a lot to say this day. Such a good post. But I do hope by doing so, I teach my kids that both men and women are capable of wonderful things, independent of their partners and their families, if they want it, to find their forever person that will stand, that will add to their life, not complete it, because standing alone in your own wonderfulness is one of the best parts of being human. That the world is there for you and regardless of who is watching, who is seeing and who is cheering, that I'll always be there listening intently, taking each idea seriously and believing because although this life can be done and accomplished without any of that, gosh, it's sweet when someone simply sees you. To all my working women and particularly working mothers, I see you, I'm here alongside you. Work, sorry. No. <laughs> ah, working 24-7 because the nine to five no longer exists. If you want to be... If you want to be you in there somewhere too, I cannot even count the hours. But if your work feeds you like it does me, if you're pushing, hustling and making progress, I can see you and you are worthy of all the praise that you may be lacking. So here I am without a child on my own, on my insight on my own with the camera on tripod making my own damn self laugh because that's what you do when pickup is in five minutes. Mm, round of applause I love <laughs> that post thank you for reading it I know that when I asked if you would you said I might get emotional I said I oh, yeah it does because, it re- it's just like such oh, a yeah it's a beautiful beautiful post and there are so many elements to it you know when I read it straight away it spoke to me about not being asked about your business because I, you know, my whole having a business, you know, the boy's life, the last seven years at family events and things like that, no one ever says, oh, how's no. your business going? Like, what? No. Just, like, no one asks about it. And then to create a community of friends and connect with other women who do ask and care, it is mm. such a gift. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. And it's it just really like is. I had this, I saw this meme the other day that says there's no one more supportive than someone you've met on socials and never met. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> wow, like, and, and you know, who knows what's behind it all or whether it's just easier to do it virtually. I don't know. But just the fact that I can now connect with other photographers and they see what I do and they say, wow, that's a lot because they understand what it takes to produce that much, that amount of work. Um, and that's nice. That's really nice. And I just love what you said about being seen because there are so many elements of mum life where we do feel as though we're the last on the list and we're not seen for who we are or what we want to achieve. And it's just, I think hearing you speak those words, it will give women courage to pursue 
things that they're interested in, but it will also give women just that little bit of a reminder to reach out to other women and say, hey, how is your business going? What are your goals? Are you happy? So I thank you very much for those words. Uh, it's a pleasure and I think that's that's another really, really great point because if you do have someone who is in your life that's interested in something and we can so easily as women downplay, that's so common. It's just a hobby. It's just a side gig when really in their heart of hearts they would love to, you know, be creating an empire out of it but they just feel like no, you know, like they don't have the support. Um, so no matter what it is, if it's a handmade item or if it's a service, whatever it is, just to check in and say, hey, how's that going, you know, um, or share their work. That's another really easy, cheap way to support someone um, and to check, to, to check in, to share their work and to show your support and just be interested. Absolutely. And I think also for taking ownership as well, for saying out loud and being proud of the things that we have achieved, it's something that I really... I really notice a lack of doing that myself when I hear other women do it. So when I speak with, you know, Lorraine Murphy and yesterday I spoke with Sophie Keisha and they just speak about, you know, yes, I earn this amount of money, you know, I earn a great wage and yes, I do this and yes, I take opportunities. And it's like, yes, like why are uh, women yeah. stepping into that and saying, yes, I do, because, you know, it's similar to how I often say when you put a boundary in place, you're giving another person permission to put that boundary in place as well. And it's the same with stepping in and owning the things that you've done well, even though it can feel a little prickly at first because we've been so conditioned not to do that. But the more that we do it, the more we're going to encourage other women to do it as well. Absolutely. And you can't, I mean, as much as it is nice to be acknowledged and seen and recognised, sometimes you just have to start by doing it yourself and, and uh, you know, yeah, coming forward and saying, yeah, I'm really good at this and I want to do this and I'm, I'm doing well and I'm succeeding. And not to say there's not struggles. We all have that struggle of the juggle, especially as mothers. But um, yeah, I think it's okay to say you're a hard worker and I think that's probably some of the pushback that mums get. It's like if you work too hard or if you don't work hard enough, it's like you can't please everyone. So no, you can't. You really can't. So um, doing what feels right for you and for me, hard work is definitely in me. You know, that's, what I, that's where I want to be and I want to grow my business and, and that's okay. Absolutely. Now, I would love to just finish off with a couple of rapid fire questions just so our community can get to know you a little more on a personal level if sure. you've got a few minutes. Sure. Okay, brilliant. Let's knock them out. What is your typical coffee order? Large cap. Large cap. And what is your most annoying habit? Um, oh, I feel like I need to hand that to someone else. <laughs> Brent, Brent. Oh, Brent, Brent, where are you? Um, my most annoying habit is probably being a taskmaster, I'd say. That's um, I love a task list and I love to delegate. <laughs> Who doesn't, especially when you have three kids? It's like we've got to get this ship steered in the right uh, direction. This morning, honestly, up. even just doing this this morning, I, my headphones were playing up and I said to her, I'm like, right, Brent, I'll take the girls in here. 
I'm not dressed, so you're going to be the one to go up and get a new set of headphones. And he's just like, you could say it with a smile. And I'm like, this is like what needs to be done. Just like this is what we're doing. <laughs> you could say it with a smile. I love that. Yeah. Now, what is a habit that you're most proud of? Um, I think for whatever reason, people feel comfortable opening up to me. Um, I always find myself in quite open, deep conversations fairly quickly when I meet people. So I think that's a really good trait. Absolutely. And if you could sit next to any celebrity or well-known person on a long-haul flight, who would it be and why? Uh, If I could have one either side of me, I'd have um, probably Brene Brown and Hugh Jackman. Interesting. Did you listen to Hugh Jackman's interview on the Tim Ferriss podcast? I I did. Do you not just love him? Yeah. I love him even more and I just, I think, I feel like he's someone who would always just make you feel great and, again, open book, very authentic yeah, I think and, incredibly talented. And super disciplined. Like I can just imagine Very. he would speak to you with his whole concept of designing the day and submitting yes. that to his life coach. And yeah, I oh, can imagine he ama- would speak yeah, I to loved, you so I many levels. I loved that episode. And I loved that I listened to it and he was exactly what I thought he'd be. You know, yeah. such a long conversation. Everything I've ever heard has been a lot shorter than that. So, but yeah, it's something about him I just really like. Both of them actually, they're a beautiful couple. Yes, they are. And Brene Brown is absolutely brilliant. Yes, she absolutely is. And last but not least, do you have a favourite quote or some words that you live by? Um, I always come back to you can be the ripest, juiciest peach, but there'll always be someone who doesn't like peaches. Yeah. <laughs> Just that whole you're not going to please everyone you know, whatever decision I make, whatever I put out there, whatever I do, I'm like, look, not everyone's going to like it, so be it. Um, As long as you're okay with what you're doing, that's really all that matters. Your people will come to you. And then when it comes to children and parenting, um, I always love, I hope I say this in the right order, um, raise your words, not your voice. It's the rain that grows flowers, not thunder. And that's a roomy quote and I love it because it's not only so true but it's so poetic and I love writing and anything that is beautifully written and I just love, love that. And I try when I have my deep breath moment to think of that. And that's so true. Like in my sessions I'm much more much more patient in sessions than I uh, am for my own kids because it's such a short spurt of time. So I really put my Mary Poppins hat on and I'm really like, I'm really patient. (laughs) And I always just find the quieter I speak to children, the better they respond always. Mm, I agree. That's a beautiful quote. Thank you so much for sharing that. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Where can our listeners connect with you? Where should we send them? Um, I'm always on Instagram. So at Sophie Lee with L-E-A photography. Um, So Instagram, same on Facebook because not on there as much. And then um, website is sophieleephotography.com.au. Brilliant. And you are booked out now. 
for, for quite quite some time, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, so bookings are sort of happening now from about April next year. However, um, this week, possibly next, is going to be a big one where I'm opening my first bricks and mortar studio and um, I'm going to be opening up finding time to open up um, some spots for that. So um, for little bubs and my newborn sessions, there'll be some more availability opening up over the next couple of weeks for the studio. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> everyone head on over to Sophie, check out her photos, send her a little message or leave her a comment and let her know what you thought of this conversation. And again, Sophie, thank you so much. I will let you get back to your beautiful little one. Thank you, Kylie, so much. It's been a pleasure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 